Welcome to Open Plaza, created by the Hispanic Theological Initiative. In this episode, Matthew Vega talks to Dr. Vincent Lloyd about his new book, Black Dignity, The Struggle Against Domination. For more information about today's episode, visit htiopenplaza.org. Hello, everybody. Welcome to HTI Open Plaza podcast. My name is Matt Vega. I'm an HTI scholar and PhD candidate in theology at the University of Chicago. And I'm here with Vincent Lloyd, who is professor of theology and religious studies at Villanova University. Vincent is the author and editor of many wonderful books. And today we are going to discuss his most recent book, Black Dignity, The Struggle Against Domination published for Yale University Press this year. Vincent, thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Vincent, I knew about this book and that it was coming out soon. In fact, a few months before it had come out, a friend of mine had asked me if I'd be interested in writing a review for it. And I told him I'm definitely interested. And to circle back when it came out, uh, I couldn't wait to get my hands on it uh, because I love everything that you write. Um, I wasn't sure exactly when I'd expect to see it on the shelves, and I wasn't planning on purchasing it because I was planning on uh, someone paying for a copy for me when I reviewed it. So less than a month ago, my wife and I celebrated her birthday in Toronto, and the last night we were there, we stopped at a bookstore where I saw Black Dignity standing out on the bookshelf. It's Black text foregrounded on the white cover. And I sort of instinctively shouted, Vincent Lloyd's new book. And there wasn't a lot of people in the, in the bookstore, but I definitely startled uh, the, the one uh, worker who was there. So I picked it up and I began reading the first few pages, but I couldn't put it down. Uh, the pre preface was gripping. So I was like, I'm not waiting for someone to purchase it for me. I'm buying it right here, right now. And I purchased it immediately, read it that week, and texted my friend like, yo, I need to write that review now. Uh, so I am I am just really, really glad that uh, I have uh, the opportunity and that many of the uh, listeners have an opportunity to uh, hear you talk more about, about this book. And I wondered if we could start with the book's title, uh, Black Dignity, The Struggle Against Domination. You provide so much conceptual clarity to a lot of the terms that you use throughout this book. So I, I'm wondering if we can begin by saying a little bit about a few of them. So uh, can what is what is dignity? How do you define it in, in your book? Yeah, first, thanks so much for the enthusiasm about the book. And it's great to hear that it's showing up in, in bookstores. Uh, that, that was uh, certainly the, the hope. Sometimes academic books are a little bit hard to find, but it's it's nice that uh, the publisher is really uh, trying to push this toward toward the public. Uh, when I'm thinking about dignity uh, in this book, I'm uh, worried that uh, too often we think about dignity in a kind of flat sense, dignity as a status that is attributed to people, dignity as a kind of um, aristocratic quality, right? the, the bishop has dignity, the judge has dignity, the, the king or duke has dignity, uh, or dignity as a kind of um, inherent quality to every human, uh, sort of uh, inherent worth and dignity of every individual. Uh, and I, I, I feel like that's a kind of two-dimensional sense of dignity. And uh, there's a three-dimensional sense of dignity that we ought to uh, pay attention to, uh, dignity in motion, 
uh, dignity as something that we do, something that we perform, uh, and uh, that that's what this this book is interested in uh, by looking at uh, black political movements today and looking at uh, a history of black political thought. I notice uh, the, this three dimensional sense of dignity, uh, dignity as something uh, people do, uh, and particularly dignity as uh, struggle, right? As, as the subtitle says, struggle against domination. When we are struggling, we are performing uh, dignity. Uh, and uh, I try and unpack what that means uh, in, in the text, uh, in dialogue with that tradition. Thank you. That's really helpful. So I wonder, you, you said that dignity is struggle against domination. And can you say a little bit more about what you mean by struggle? Because in the book, you you make a distinction between ontic and ontological uh, uh, struggles. And I wonder if you could say more about that here. Sure. So he, here I'm inspired by the Jewish uh, philosopher, Emmanuel Levinas, uh, who uh, was reflecting on the experience of the, the Jewish Holocaust uh, and uh, thought that the moral vocabulary that was being used in European philosophy had to be shaken up, had to be either rethought, rethought from the bottom up uh, in light of that uh, experience of the, the Jewish Holocaust. Uh, and uh, in uh, doing so, uh, it had to be rerouted through uh, the encounter with the other, right? The face-to-face -face encounter with the other, the famous... Uh, principle at the core of uh, Levinas's um, uh, philosophical thought. So each concept, like justice or politics or uh, uh, and and so on, uh, had to be um, voided of its content and then refilled with content based on uh, the centrality of that uh, encounter with with the other. Uh, and so I, I wanted to uh, think about what it would mean to do the same thing, uh, uh, you know, worrying that uh, our concepts of European moral philosophy get things uh, really wrong and need to be voided, uh, but um, uh, they need to be voided uh, based on the uh, experience of uh, enslavement, of the Middle Passage. Uh, and when they're refilled with content, when these sort of core concepts of European philosophy and theology are um, filled out again, they need to be filled out uh, in relationship uh, to uh, this experience of master and slave, the, uh, and particularly um, uh, the uh, experience of um, uh, uh, the enslaved uh, trying to uh, overthrow uh, the, uh, the, the master. Um, so uh, a concept like a struggle, right? We might use in um, an everyday sense, a kind of loose sense, uh, an ontic sense, and this is technical terminology. We uh, struggle in all sorts of ways. We struggle with uh, diets. We struggle with exams. Uh, we struggle with uh, family relationships and so on. Uh, but if we take this term struggle and, and we void it of content and then we fill it with content again, based on this experience of uh, 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 the master and slave, uh, um, uh, then uh, the, the kind of content that struggle gets uh, is you know, struggle um, 
against domination, right? The struggle against mastery, the struggle against humans who set them out, set themselves up as gods or as lords. Uh, and uh, that deeper sense of uh, struggle uh, is the one that uh, I have in mind when I say that dignity is um, a struggle against uh, domination. Right? It's this uh, ontological struggle, a uh, struggle that refers to this primal scene of master and slave. Uh, and uh, I'm sort of urging us uh, to uh, clarify the way we um, talk about uh, ethics and morality and uh, theology as well uh, by uh, always keeping this experience of the Middle Passage, this experience of enslavement uh, in mind, You always using that as a, a tool to refine our uh, moral and, and theological vocabulary. That's no, that's really, really helpful. Um, yeah, as I, as I was reading it, I, I found um, I found myself thinking about the relationship between ref, maybe reform and revolution and kind of struggles in some sense uh, being struggles on the ontic sense being uh, and I think we can in my mind, I was thinking like we can register that as a kind of reformism versus a kind of if we're thinking about uh, ontological struggle, we're thinking about struggle against all that constitutes the world. Um, and, and that sounds, and, and and for you, that's, that's as you mentioned, it's it's domination. And, and I'm really curious about the this specific term. Uh, you did a really good job explaining dignity and struggle. And I'm wondering why you, you chose the language of domination instead of, say, oppression or injustice. Uh, can you say a little bit about, about, uh, about this term and why you chose it that way? Yeah, in the in the last few years, particularly I say five-ish years, it seems like we've seen a proliferation of harm language, harm, violence, abuse, trauma, domination, uh, um, uh, and uh, all sorts of uh, other uh, terms for um, uh, doing bad things to each other. Uh, this is, on the one hand, really helpful, right? Uh, there, there uh, are all, all sorts of forms of ill treatment that were going unrecognized uh, and that are now being recognized, being picked out by this um, this new uh, these new forms of uh, harm language, uh, including uh, oppression, trauma, abuse, uh, domination, etc. Um, but it also gets a bit confusing, right? The, these terms are also used quite loosely. Uh, and so uh, I wanted to um, uh, try and bring some clarity to these these conversations by focusing in on one 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 term. Uh, and trying to get uh, uh, quite precise about it. Um, and uh, domination strikes me as useful for a few reasons. One, uh, it refers back so clearly to this uh, primal scene that we can conjure in our minds of master and slave, right? Uh, uh, dominate, uh, the domination is about um, someone setting, up, setting uh, himself up as master over another, right? That is um, uh, having the capacity to uh, arbitrarily exercise his will over another. Right? That capacity doesn't have to be exercised. Right, the master doesn't have to always be exercising his will, but that capacity is uh, is there. Uh, uh, in more theological terms, right, it's uh, human setting himself up as a god. Right, uh, and uh, we have a strong 
strong intuition that there's something wrong with that, right? Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. we don't need uh, sophisticated uh, uh, moral vocabulary to uh, figure out that a uh, human setting himself up as a god or a person acting as if uh, he is a master standing over uh, someone who's enslaved is a problem. Yeah. Uh, and so so much of a problem that, uh, you know, maybe that's a starting point, right? Maybe that ought to be the, the sort of starting point for our our um, moral reflections. Uh, that's really, really helpful. Um, so is that starting point what what you mean thinking about you you mentioned Emmanuel Levinas and you in in um in the influence that he's he's had uh, uh on um on you and on on this text and you you draw from him to to talk about black philosophy as first philosophy um and i'm wondering can is that is that kind of what you mean when you're saying this this is kind of where we need to where we need to start um and and why why not begin with an encounter with the other as the kind of the the, the first place to begin uh, in in philosophy? Thanks. Yeah, it's a, 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 approaching from the more theological direction. Um, I think uh, one of the things that uh, theology gets right is it's. Um, uh, you know, instinct toward the negative, right? We we can have much more confidence yeah. about what God is not uh, than about what God is. We mm -hmm. can uh, say negative things about God much more easily than we can say positive things yeah. uh, about God. Um, and uh, similarly, right, uh, when we see a human setting himself up as God, we can have a lot of confidence that there's something wrong with that, right? Uh, that there's something wrong is going on when a human is uh, 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 acting uh, in this role of master, um, uh, and we can say no to that, right? We can know we can know that we ought to say no to that. Uh, that uh, that it, it strikes me that we can have a lot more confidence uh, in relating our everyday experience to that primal scene uh, than we can uh, to trying to imagine, you know, this beautiful encounter between uh, me and the, the face of another uh, that, or me and another by means of um, uh, sort of, uh, the infinite reflected in uh, his or her face, um, which seems like it, it's just much more uh, messy, right? The, the uh, worldly forces are always uh, intervening to try and get that right. We're always getting wrong. But to say no to domination, uh, it seems like we can have much more confidence and clarity about about that, uh, which is what the, the tradition of black political thought gets us to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And thank you for clarifying the the those those terms, especially dignity, struggle, domination. This book, I think, in many ways, is an exposition of, of a lot of terms. And specifically, it's an exposition of the moral vocabulary that's emerged in the Black Lives Matter era. Uh, and the grammar itself provides the foundation for the philosophy of Black dignity you build in this book. Uh, in the preface, you write, uh, quote, the new moral vocabulary I found near Ferguson allowed me to put my blackness into words and gave me a way to understand the depths of anti-blackness in America. Anti-black racism is not just about bad choices or about people who failed their diversity exam. It is at the center of everything for everyone. It leads to police violence, but also to odd looks from colleagues. It leads to mass incarceration, 
but also makes Black bodies especially vulnerable to disease. And it makes Black people confused about who we are. All of this grows out of the primal scene of slavery. Unquote. And so the vocabulary you, you elucidate uh, is you devote a, a chapter to, for, to each one of these terms. You devote a chapter to Black rage, Black love, Black family, Black futures, and Black magic. And can you say a little bit about these terms and why you chose them over, say, Black joy or Black excellence? Um, yeah, I'd be really curious to hear hear your why the the principle of your selection uh, for for these terms. Thanks. So for each of each of these terms, um, it's tempting to uh, take our uh, the ordinary understanding of uh, love or anger or family or or hope or futures or uh, religion or magic or spirituality and. Um, just uh, make a multicultural version of them, right? Say white people do it one way, uh, maybe Asian American people do it another way, black people do it this way, and this is the way that black people do it. Um, and I wanted to avoid that temptation. I wanted to uh, say that, you know, uh, there's something quite novel about the, the uh, moral vocabulary that is circulating around Black Lives Matter that has been introduced into the, the public conversation in the last uh, five to 10 years, uh, something novel, but also something internally coherent, right? That all of these terms stick together in a certain way and help us imagine blackness in a new way uh, that, that does draw on the deep wells of the black radical tradition, but is uh, not reducible to uh, the paradigm of multiculturalism. It's not just the black version of uh, something that has a, another white version and another Asian American version, another yeah. uh, Latinx version, and so on. Uh, so, what, what's distinct about the, the 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 black version of these terms? Well, uh, I want to say, um, uh, you know, uh, this struggle against domination is at the center of how each of these terms is understood. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and you know, with these terms in particular, uh, there is a temptation to. Uh, see them in their multicultural form, right? that love seems like it's everywhere. And, you know, uh, maybe black love is just particularly strong, or maybe it's just, you know, um, um, less rigidly bounded or something like that. But I want to say with love, for example, that um, black love has to do with uh, being comrades in a struggle against domination, uh, mm -hmm. where we can see that um, particularly precisely when we uh, envision this scene of master against uh, the enslaved and the enslaved uh, bonded by love in their struggle against uh, against mastery um, uh, there. And similarly for, for these other terms, um, it, it, it was uh, a bit tricky to, to choose, right? to, to, to make a list, right? There, there's so much uh, to this um, new moral vocabulary that, that circulating black joy and black excellence are, uh, you know, other terms that circulate. Uh, uh, black girl magic in particular is, an, is another yeah. that... Uh, uh, could have been used instead of black magic. I, I mention all of these terms in the, in the book and have things to say about them and sort of try try to uh, give language to how they would fit into this sort of philosophical and theological framework. Uh, but uh, I uh, thought, well, I mean, I, I, uh, these the ones I, I chose uh, 
fit together in a kind of narrative that rage moves to love, love to family, family to uh, futures. Family is sort of present, uh, um, present and past looking futures. Uh, is also connected to family, but um, forward looking and, and magic has this sort of um, reminds us that the, the path from the present to the future is unpredictable uh, in, in various ways. Uh, so there was a sort of narrative logic there. Um, I, I, I do have some uh, worries about uh, black joy and black excellences. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, as I do about all of the, all of these terms, uh, in that, um, uh, you know, these are all terms that are used uh, relatively loosely, right? I, I'm trying to provide a philosophical framework that helps us see uh, the terms at their best and most precise, but that's not how people actually use them in, mm -hmm. in, in speech or in social movement uh, movement uh, uh, worlds. Um, and with black excellence and black joy, the, the sort of um, instinct to be unequivocally affirming of what we know and what's comfortable and what's familiar uh, about a kind of uh, supposedly self-evident blackness. I, I mean, I, I worry about that a, a little bit, but you know, I think there are ways of understanding them uh, that that. Uh, orient them towards struggle in this ontological, this deeper sense, um, as I point to in the book. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. I mean, oftentimes when I hear the term uh, black excellence, I, I too have, I mean, my, my own reservations is sometimes I can, I, I see it appropriated in circles to kind of uh, affirm um, kind of, you know, the, the elite classes who started kind of like this really important black business black owned business and so it's like black excellence is kind of only associated with like uh black business owners or something like that someone who uh is is able to kind of um be excellent uh, as it's as, as it's defined uh, i think within a neoliberal space um, and I, I think that the points to another uh thing i try to do in the book which is to uh distinguish dignity from respectability Right, which mm -hmm. is a great uh, insight from the social movement spaces that uh, uh, these two terms seem almost synonymous, but actually, uh, you know, respectability is much more about uh, status, much more about the status quo, right? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, sort of investment in the powers that be uh, mm -hmm. and dignity, challenging uh, the powers that be, challenging the the status quo. Uh, and I do uh, say some uh, perhaps uh, more controversial things uh, in in parts of the book uh, about the ways that. Um, you know, uh, even in the radical or, or leftist black spaces, there can be um, uh, sort of overvaluing of some kind of credentials or mm -hmm. um, titles, uh, mm -hmm. uh, status or jobs or so on, celebrating the first black dean of da 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 da, uh, mm -hmm. which maybe is playing more to respectability than to dignity. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it, it, it sort of, that leads to another question that I have about um, uh, in the book that we we've talked about a little bit um, uh, when we were we were in Denver. Um, you know, in your chapter "Everything Black," you you write that the struggle against domination is the paradigm of struggle, and black dignity is the paradigm of dignity. Um, and so I was wondering why uh, why is racial domination and not racial capitalism or racial domination and capitalist exploitation the uh the paradigm of of struggle yeah this is a tough question and i'm glad you you pushed me on it and, and others have been pushing me on it as well 
I, I think, uh, you know, this is an area where uh, I am growing myself uh, uh, intellectually, and I, I have less confidence than I would like, but uh, at least within the argument of the book, within the story of the book, um, uh, capitalist exploitation is a form of uh, domination. It's mastery of one over another. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, th that domination in its purest form, uh, we find in uh, the m middle passage, right? Uh, master over slave, the, the one who is enslaved is totally stripped of uh, family, of uh, culture, language, uh, attachments, land, and so on. Uh, so all other forms of domination, uh, including patriarchal uh, forms of domination, including capitalist forms of domination, uh, including um, uh, you know forms of domination related to homophobia, uh, nationalism, yeah. and so on, you know, are, are best understood uh, through that um, uh, example of um, blackness in the transatlantic slave trade. I, I do look forward to to uh, thinking more and learning more over the coming years about uh, how to uh, pay full attention to the, the, the complexities of um, racial capitalism that uh, I agree may fit um, not perfectly into that framework. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I, and I mentioned uh, I've mentioned this before. I think that the the book uh, does a really good job of. Uh, I think making explicit that anti-blackness interlocks with other forms of of domination, uh, and I think this this book is a is a a, a pretty uh, uh, I think I thought the book was very clear about about that in, in many passages. I think in in, in many chapters. Um, uh, so so you mentioned the. The master slave and as master slave relationship as as the kind of primal scene and and uh, you know as the starting point of anti blackness uh, and it kind of orients the master slave relations of the world um, and so in the section I read from from the preface uh, you you say you claim that it's at the center of everything and so and I and and that that uh, what necessarily follows from there is the kind of ethic that, that I read. It was the kind of ethic, which is a kind of ontological struggle uh, against domination, which, which means the end of the world. Um, and so I'm wondering if you could say more about this, this kind of end of the world language, because you mentioned it too. Sometimes it, you can, you, you can, uh, there can be a, a good faith kind of uh, question about like, what do you mean the end of the world? Are you talking something eschatological? Are you talking something political? Uh, are you talking revolution, abolition? So uh, yeah, I'm wondering if you could say more about the end of the world and, and what that means uh, for their philosophy of black dignity. Yeah, this is a, a really evocative language that uh, it comes from uh, I may say Sarah among uh, uh, gets picked up by Fanon and, and Frank Wilderson and others. Uh, in uh, and social movement spaces uh, in the last few years as well, uh, and the the idea, at least as I read it, is that um, uh, anti-blackness is at the heart of everything, and uh, systems of domination are interlocking, uh, and uh, you know uh, systems of domination uh, shape us. Uh, we're each shaped by multiple systems of domination, uh, and. Uh, because we're formed by them, there is no us without those forms of domination. There is no us uh, individually or collectively. 
there is no world without those systems of, of domination. And yet uh, we are called to end domination uh, in all of its forms. Uh, and that, that's a sort of tension or paradox uh, worth uh, working with. Uh, and, you know, a tension or paradox that marks the difference between uh, the um, Black Lives Matter era uh, racial justice movements and uh, racial justice uh, in the paradigm of multiculturalism. Uh, in the paradigm of multiculturalism, uh, the goal is uh, to uh, have everyone um, enjoy a seat at the table uh, and um, not be excluded from the conversation, not be excluded from having a, a slice of the pie. Uh, as it were, um, in the Black Lives Matter era, right, with this appreciation that uh, anti-Blackness uh, and interlocking systems of dominate, you have to get rid of the pie, you get rid of the table, you have to um, uh, uh, bake a new dish, set a new table, you know, transform things um, all the way down. Uh, and that's an impossible aspiration, uh, one that calls for a theological imagination, and one that uh, calls for, um, uh, you know, dreaming the impossible uh, yeah. uh, and holding fast to that, right? Not uh, domestic domesticating the impossible in the language of prose, but uh, sticking to the, the, the sort of um, uh, only registers in which the impossible can be uh, spoken. That is poetry, the aesthetic, song, prayer, you know, uh, uh, sort of incoherent um, fragments, right, that, that help us to conjure something uh, which we can't um, express rationally or, or coherently. Uh, that is this world without domination. Um, so uh, that um, uh, uh, you know, that, that's the sort of framework within uh, uh, black uh, uh, justice movement spaces now, which seems really helpful. It doesn't seem so different from revolutionary socialism, right? The, the sort of uh, mm -hmm. longer uh, Marxist traditions of uh, you know, saying, you know, our uh, ways of thinking about the future at the moment are contaminated by uh, the ideas of the ruling class. You know, we need to shed those ideas. You know, those ideas of the ruling class uh, contaminate everything. It's only you know, uh, at the site of uh, the proletariat, right, uh, that we, we get uh, hints of uh, another world, which uh, we need to believe in uh, to be possible and we need to uh, bring into existence. Uh, so, yeah, that uh, spirit of both Black social movements and revolutionary socialism, I, I want to join together in uh, embracing this language of the end of the world. Vincent, thank you. Uh, you mentioned that Black dignity is the philosophy of Black Americans. And I'm I'm wondering would would Afro Latinos Latina would Afro Latines or or uh, others in the Black diaspora fit into this philosophy? Thanks. That's that's a great question. And uh, this older uh, paradigm of uh, multiculturalism, uh, in which uh, Black studies was operating for a long time uh, in the '90s and early 2000s, was uh, very much about pluralizing the Black experience and globalizing the, the Black experience. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, including uh, Afro-Latina uh, experience, um, uh, uh, as well as other Black experiences, uh, 
broadening the conversation to include um, uh, in the theological space, womanism, uh, black uh, immigrant, black queer uh, experiences, uh, uh, African experiences, uh, and and so on. Um, I, I worry about this pluralizing instinct. Uh, it strikes me as, again, a, an instinct that uh, is tied to the logic of um, representation and respectability, of bringing everyone to the table, of uh, you know, making sure every voice is is heard, and then um, resting in the confidence that all will be well. Uh, when mm -hmm. uh, once again, um, you know, if domination uh, goes all the way down, is you know, these interconnected systems, then uh, it's only the end of the world that that will um, uh, bring us to uh, to a world of uh, justice, a world without uh, domination. Uh, uh, and yet, right, this uh, um, uh, uh, attending to particular forms of domination beyond uh, anti-blackness uh, is crucially important, uh, as they are mm -hmm. inter interlinking forms of domination, the forms of colonial domination, uh, xenophobia, you know, a, as a form of, of domination uh, as it relates to immigrant experience, but also within uh, within nations uh, and within. Um, uh, Latin American uh, nations as well, uh, you know, uh, as uh, indigenous communities and uh, various um, uh, sort of internal uh, minorities are, um, uh, you know, face uh, forms of uh, discrimination and, and again domination. You know, yeah. being attentive to all of those dynamics seems uh, seems very uh, important, um, even as you know, uh, you know, uh, our analysis of of all of those forms of domination uh, will be clarified when it's routed through uh, this primal scene of domination, which we can learn about, which we can um, sharpen our tools to analyze by reflecting on uh, the middle passage on anti-Blackness. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. It seems like it's a similar impulse. Uh, it's, a, it's a similar, uh, I think, maybe concern that you have about multiculturalism's impulses to kind of uh homogenize and just kind of uh, say that these are kind of maybe different flavors of the same same sort of thing and uh and it sounds like you're you're a little bit worried about about doing that with with blackness and uh and and the way that blackness uh emerges in in uh various uh black uh, uh diasporic or or other uh, black black spaces um you know, as I was reading, as I was reading Black Dignity, I couldn't help but think about the centrality of, of struggle in the thought of James Cone and, and Angela Davis. Uh, James Cone, uh, in uh, his nineteen sixty nine Black Theology and Black Power and uh, and Black Theology of Liberation, and I believe in nineteen seventy five God of the Oppressed, he defines uh, liberation as uh, the freedom to resist. Um, and you know, emphasizes that aspect of 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 liberation. And Angela Davis, in in uh, a set of lectures she she delivered at UCLA, just like just like what you do with uh, with um, with uh, Frederick Douglass. Um, so so yeah, in the in the quarter of 1969, uh, Angela Davis delivered lectures at UCLA entitled uh, "Recurring Philosophical Themes in Black Literature," 
And her primary text for, for exploring these themes from uh, uh, were from came from Frederick Douglass's uh, uh, narrative, his autobiography, and specifically emphasizing the most famous scene in the narrative, his right his struggle with his slave owner, Mr. Covey. Um, and so Douglas's struggle with Covey is a paradigmatic event for 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 Davis of what it means to enact your own freedom. Um, and and that struggle is the essence of freedom, right? Uh, we can kind of we can glean how, you know what she thinks about the the meaning of of freedom by like just looking at the, the red book i can't remember exactly when it was published collection of interviews it's called freedom is a constant struggle right she defines freedom as struggle and so i'm reading davis and she defines liberation as struggle and then i read you and you define dignity as struggle and so our struggle and dignity and freedom all interchangeable uh or how would you go about thinking about uh distinguishing these terms or disentangling them. Uh, I'm just really curious what, yeah, what your thought is here. Thanks, yeah, it's a, a great uh, a great connection. Uh, and I, I really appreciate what Angela Davis does in, uh, in Freedom is a Constant Struggle, that collection of uh, speeches and, and interviews where she's making uh, powerful connections between Black Lives Matter movements in the, in the US uh, and beyond and uh, Palestine liberation movements and other uh, global uh, struggles against domination, uh, to, to use my, my sort of language uh, there, uh, and thinking about struggle as uh, sort of organizing uh, organizing term to to link these these different movements. Uh, that that seems really uh, helpful, and uh, you know, uh, Davis is coming out of this uh, um, uh, humanist Marxist uh, tradition, right? Uh, sort of uh, where. Uh, from Hegel to to uh, uh, sort of early Marx, the, this uh, uh, process of grappling with uh, ideas uh, mm -hmm. happens at the same time as one is grappling with uh, systems of power uh, mm -hmm. and grappling with individuals. Uh, yeah. And through that uh, struggle, right, one. Uh, um, uh, exercises one's uh, humanity, right? One sort of becomes human in in the the, the process of uh, challenging uh, ideas and and uh, uh, systems of power and uh, people who exercise uh, power, uh, and th that's a, a, a position I very much want to align my uh, associate myself with. Um, uh, and I, uh, again, that um, uh, Hegelian uh, Marxist humanist uh, tradition mm -hmm. is one that. Uh, you know, I think is uh, animating. Uh, you know, uh, is um, uh, uh, you know the current behind it is the same uh, current uh, that's uh, animating Black uh, freedom struggles uh, mm -hmm. for uh, you know the last uh, uh, few centuries, um, and. Uh, the the sort of focus uh, from the uh, um, you know from Hegel to Marx we get the focus on the proletariat as a sort of privileged class in the, the the black political movements we get the focus on the black working class or black poor folks uh, as uh, mm -hmm. uh, a privileged site um, for uh, insights into uh, what domination is insights into uh, how we should think about uh, morality and theology, um, mm -hmm. not not insights that are uh, undefeatable, right? But uh, insights that 
require us to enter into dialogue, right? To, to be challenged, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to test our intuitions. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think that that tradition is uh, a really uh, strong one. In terms of the freedom versus dignity, I, I mean, uh, uh, Davis has uh, quite subtle things to, to say there. there freedom is a constant uh, struggle is a, is a civil rights song that, that she analyzes uh, in, uh, in its uh, paradoxical nature. Right, freedom is a constant dying is the next line down in mm -hmm. after freedom is struggle. So, uh, you know, there, there's all sorts of the theological resonance and the mystery, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, in what that song um, means. Uh, I, I think of freedom, and I, I think, uh, you know, I, so I, I think it's helpful that, that Davis moved from freedom as endpoint to freedom as process. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's a bit equivocal about that in the, the lectures on liberation um, where, where this UCLA course is, is published. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think it's still helpful to uh, envision a world without domination, which is what I, I take her uh, to be doing. And I, I take the black radical tradition to be doing uh, when mm -hmm. um, freedom is, is invoked there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really helpful. Um, uh, so, yeah. Um, so, so I'm wondering, um, in, uh, in chapter one, everything black and in the forward, you challenge the anti-normativity stance that has a lot of social currency and contemporary scholarship. Uh, I, um, I think this is a conversation that comes up in a lot of classrooms. Uh, um, you know, it's been, um, I mean, I'm finished with coursework, but I distinctly remember these conversa uh, conversations emerging uh, with with regularity um, about whether or not someone was imposing a norm onto others or something like that. And, and, and but you, in, in Black Dignity, you challenged uh, the kind of anti-normativity stance. And I'm wondering if you could say a, a little bit more uh, about that. Sure. So to to, to um, uh, offer maybe another uh, entry point into this, you know, I, I think many of our many uh, young young people these days, right, have uh, two conflicting intuitions. One, you shouldn't tell people what to do. Yeah. And the other, everyone should be struggling for justice, right? And these two things don't don't sit together, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, I think people are, are working through this in in various ways. Uh, so uh, um, th this. Uh, anti-normativity uh, moment, that is, you shouldn't tell people what to do, uh, gets expressed in uh, Black studies theory, sometimes under the heading of uh, fugitivity, right? That the fugitive is the one who's escaping from regimes of rules and order and uh, power and always in the interstices, always moving uh, away from visibility and so uh, retaining uh, a kind of authenticity because um, uh, he or she, although I think the fugitive is often imagined uh, implicitly as, as masculine, uh, is um, you know uh, outside of normative normative regimes. Uh, so that that's one sort of uh, site at which anti-normativity is imagined or fetishized. Uh, another is in uh, a generation of queer theory uh, up to maybe uh, five or ten years ago, where queer just meant anti-normative, right? That uh, mm -hmm. Queer is that which uh, exceeds uh, not only gender categories but all categories, and so embracing queerness is an embracing the sort of um, 
position of uh, at the interstices, this, this uh, identity that cannot be uh, captured by the by the categories of the world. Um, in the the scholarship on queer theory, there there was a pushback against that um, move toward uh, anti-normativity, uh, in part growing out of um, uh, Marxist traditions and uh, grassroots movements that uh, are making concrete demands right, mm. and want want to see queer theory uh, on the side of those uh, sort of making concrete demands for uh, economic transformation uh, and uh, social justice of, of various sorts. Uh, I think in, in the Black studies uh, space and the Black social movement conversation, we're, we're uh, still at a more inchoate moment uh, where um, a sort of romantic, uh, romance of the fugitive uh, still has a lot of currency. Uh, and the, the uh, desire to understand uh, the privilege of blackness as being um, uh, a position that is escaping all order, escaping all rules. You know, the, uh, there's an appeal uh, to that, um, even uh, though uh, there um, the the other things that go with that, right? Like. Uh, embracing black sociality, forms of uh, community and family and the, the expansive sense that are also embraced in these same spaces necessarily have a sense of normativity with it. What is family mm -hmm. without order, without rules, without some sense of structure? Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I think we really need to uh, work through these uh, these uh, tensions. Uh, and, you know, um, I, I, the thing it strikes me that we ought to worry about is these overly rigid normative orders, right? These or overly <laughs> rigid structures that don't have, uh, you know, don't allow for um, uh, deviation without uh, harsh reprimand uh, and, uh, you know, punishment for going out of, out of line. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, don't have uh, resources for internal critique within them, right? Are not yeah. animated by this uh, struggle for domination. That is an interrogation of, the subtle ways in which uh, systems of domination uh, infect um, uh, our communities, our families, ourselves, you know, our our own, uh, you know, intuitions and forms of feeling and forms of loving and so on. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I want to, uh, you know, uh, both um, acknowledge the, the importance of imagining a world without domination and acknowledge the distance of our, our current world from that world without domination and, and mm -hmm. name this critical posture mm -hmm. and, uh, of um, uh, struggle uh, as mm -hmm. uh, you know the essential site at which uh, we can you know uh, realize our humanity uh, in uh, uh, now um uh partially realize our humanity now uh, and have a foretaste of this this world to come in which uh we will all be able to look each other in our eye we will all be be able to recognize uh, each other full as fully fully human um uh and the, the only way to sort of get that that critical moment right uh is to you know route our reflections through this experience of anti-blackness through this experience of the middle passage mm. Thank you so much, uh, Vincent. Yeah, that, it reminded me. Um, I mean, as a as someone who studies uh, theology and and focus focus a lot on um, 
the the writings of of, of James Cone. Um, uh, you know, I, I was thinking a lot about how he's very explicit about the norms that he's like going to use to uh, sort of either gather his sources or construct like a theological argument, and how he's like also and how black theology um, not perfectly or liberation theology not perfectly at, by any means has sort of done this kind of back and forth uh, dance between the kind of, uh, are these norms, whether the norm is liberation, uh, are these norms uh, uh, regulative in a in a kind of domineering sense, or, or are they orienting us towards uh, that goal that, that you mentioned where we can look one, one another in the eyes and in, in a, um, uh, uh, in a sort of non, uh, dominating way. Um, and, and so there's, as, as you were, as you were talking, it just made me think about the kind of, um, uh, how difficult it, it can be to get away from, um, establishing some kind of norm to achieve the end of domination. And yet at the same time, those norms are and can and are often in, uh, infected with, with domination. And yet they are in some sense, I, I see, I'm, I'm even getting myself caught up in this trap. Right. But, but it seems to me like th that, that impulse towards a kind of, um, um, a world where we're freed from the things that, uh, that that strangle us, I think, is is really um, is 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 uh, is kind of um, uh, is in and of itself not simply the aim, but the norm that is, I think, uh, motivating us towards that towards that. Yeah, yeah. thanks uh, for those reflections, and uh, it does strike me that, or at least, you no, know, I argue in the book. Uh, whether I fully agree with this or not, not is maybe mm -hmm. another question, but, you know, for the sake of the, the book's argument, you know, I say, you know, this is what makes the black radical tradition unique, right? That yeah. uh, other traditions, uh, you know, you need to come up with some sort of criteria for who counts, who doesn't count, who's in the canon, who isn't in the canon, mm -hmm. you know, uh, which moment from the thinker is uh, uh, paradigmatic and which moment is is not and, and so on. Uh, but for the black radical tradition, uh, we have a really uh, we have really clear criteria for uh, what's at the center of the tradition and what's uh, peripheral and what's at a distance from it. That is um, the criteria of, um, you know, what uh, uh, what are the works that most clearly um, match this uh, laboratory conditions case of struggle against domination. Yeah, right? yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So that yeah. uh, it's actually it's not about the uh, color of the writer's skin. Right? Mm -hmm. It's about uh, you know those writers uh, who are uh, thinking most carefully uh, and are most formed by and most grounded in uh, the experience of um, uh, uh, struggle against domination in its clearest sense, which is anti-blackness, right? Mm -hmm. Which is uh, uh, middle passage. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, there are fewer problems to worry about in terms of um, uh, the uh, norms of the black radical tradition because you know th there's this uh, sort of internal norm of the black radical tradition that defines what counts as a tradition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll th yeah. Thank you so much. So my la my last question, which before I ask it, I I'll, I'll just say I I've um uh 
I I read through your I read through Black Dignity uh, and and texted others and told them to buy a copy. Um, and we've been like texting about the book. And I really want to just take this opportunity to just put uh, to to plug uh, put a, a plug for for uh, for your book. I think that this is one of the most morally energizing, uh, invigorating, clear, uh, concise, and provocative texts that I've read in quite uh, a long time. And um, uh, so 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 that uh, so that's that's my plug, but it's connected to my question, and that is who who do you hope reads this book? Um, who ideally would be your target audience for uh, for Black Dignity? Thanks so much for those those kind kind words about the book. Yeah, so there there are a few different audiences. One, uh, you know, uh, and the the book I hope works at uh, several different levels. Right. So those who are just interested in what is distinctive about uh, Black Lives Matter and the new language of blackness that's circulating today, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, hopefully can find some. Uh, you know, in account of that uh, in the book. Uh, I hope that uh, those who are uh, involved in or drawn to social movement organizing, uh, particularly around questions of racial justice, uh, can find resources uh, in the book for uh, reflecting on that that movement work, uh, for sifting through what's uh, central and what's peripheral, how to be oriented toward that work, uh, for finding resources to pursue in the footnotes, uh, you know, about other work that, that might be uh, inspirational or, or useful. Um, and, uh, you know, those are both uh, uh, not particularly academic audiences. And uh, I think that the uh, pre- uh, publisher is, is hoping for this broader than academic audience uh, for the book. But I, I do think uh, for academics as well, who are thinking about um, questions of race, philosophy and theology uh, from any of those departments or, or even from a political theory uh, sort of perspective. Um, you know, I, I worry uh, maybe in uh, too strong terms in the book itself that uh, some of the academic work uh, around uh, these uh, issues um, is still caught in this earlier paradigm of multiculturalism. Is, uh, a uh, good deal of work, I think, in uh, around Black theology, uh, in theology and religious studies spaces, a good deal of the uh, work around philosophy of race in philosophy departments, a good deal of the work um, uh, in uh, uh, political theory uh, spaces, uh, you know, is still uh, focused on expanding the canon, introducing new voices, uh, exploring the distinctive uh, perspective of African Americans as they can be incorporated into a greater, you know, uh, enrich the harmony that is, you know, uh, America, right? Although America has never spoken, it's always presented as a kind of universal. Um, so I, I uh, you know, hope that modeling what it could look like to think about blackness uh, seriously, right, with rigor, uh, with a deep engagement. Um, uh, with a, a philosophical tradition, both black philosophical traditions and European philosophical traditions, you know, modeling what what that that looks like uh, in a new paradigm, right? That moves beyond multiculturalism is something that this this book can can do and and can inspire others to do, right? I, I hope that it's more of a first word rather than a last word on what this could look like. Uh, I think we're just now entering into this era 
beyond the multiculturalism and feeling around to see what it will, will, will look like, uh, what it means to do uh, scholarship, uh, to do activism, uh, to build community uh, outside of this multiculturalist uh, paradigm uh, in a uh, paradigm that, that centers Blackness, that wholeheartedly embraces Blackness. And I'm excited to see what, what comes next in, in the coming years and decades. Thank you uh, so much, Vincent. Yeah, this this uh, I think this conversation has been really provocative. I've learned uh, a whole lot from it, and I hope that I can even return to this recording and um, and digest uh, um, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, the the things that we've talked about that you specifically talked about. Um, I, uh, I I'm I'm very grateful for this book. I I don't want to. Um, you know, I don't want to do too much kind of like uh, uh, over praise. I just I, I want to make it I want to make it very clear that this book was uh, uh, probably the best book that I've read this 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 year. And um, so I, I think that uh, this uh, uh, this conversation, I think, has been um, uh, has been really helpful for me to even uh, uh, as I return to the book to um, be looking for uh, uh some of these, some of these themes and some of, uh, into, and, and uh, I think it would help me elucidate a lot of the terms that, that we've, uh, also discussed in, in our conversation. Uh, thank you for joining us, uh, Vincent. It's been great to talk, uh, uh, to you, um, about Black Dignity, and uh, I hope you all go out and get yourself a copy. Thanks, Matt. This has been an HTI production. For more information, visit us at htiopenplaza.org. The Hispanic Theological Initiative provides Open Plaza as a public service. The views expressed by the guests are their own. Their appearance on this program or any reference to a specific product or entity they represent does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by HTI.